Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Robert Matarazzi. He's the CEO at Luca. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Luca is really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure, yeah. I grew up actually traveling around quite a bit, including in, in Europe. Um, and overseas, um, my uh, father was working in the hotel industry and so got exposed to traveling pretty, pretty early on Very cool. and, uh, and spent most of my childhood down in South Florida, uh, okay. went to Florida state university, um, studied multinational business. And then what uh, made you want to take that? Sorry to cut you off. Sure. No, I, uh, um, I think it was the, the traveling bug, honestly. Um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to, to make money going to corporate America and, and, uh, and I knew I wanted to do that in a global way, um, but then I ended up joining the Marine Corps straight out of college anyway. So, which was a more, a more spontaneous decision after 9/11. So, got you. Okay, so walk us through your uh, you being in the Marines up until basically Luca. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, I went to a PWC um, okay. straight out of the the military. Um, so I did my, my obligation in the, in the military and then, uh, joined, um, PwC into their financial services practice. So as a consultant out of New York city, uh, working, uh, primarily with large banks responding to a lot of, uh, the post-financial crisis regulation and, and more specifically all the big technology programs and initiatives that, that resulted from it. Um, so there's a big focus on cybersecurity and technology risk. Right. And, uh, um, and then I went to Luca straight, straight from PwC after about five years. Gotcha. Very cool. So you worked your way up to CEO at Luca. Do you want to talk about, um, your journey there and what exactly Luca does? Sure. Yeah. And I, I saw, um, maybe I'll start with why I joined Luca sure. you know, at the time they had, uh, pivoted after raising their series a funding from a more retail tax uh, crypto tax calculator type of a solution to institutional solutions. And they were catering to fund administrators first, um, a couple other enterprises that were OTC desks and exchanges. They had closed some early deals. And uh, really the premise of my role coming in was to sell to more of those. So it was a sales focus and um, and they realized that the same data problems that these funds and then their fund administrators were having were, um, were consistent with what any other business that had crypto data, um, were having. And so my first, uh, responsibility was to go figure that out and to just whiteboard with all these, you know, big logos that were, that were already very dominant in the crypto industry, um, so that we could build institutional quality software for them. And Luca okay. was doing that with uh, 
AICPA SOC controls for service organizations. And I was very familiar with those from PwC years and was very impressed that Luca was going to be the first company in the crypto industry to ever have those. And I thought it was very forward looking that they were building a truly institutional quality product that, that early on. And so that was the main thing that attracted me to, to joining. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, came into sales. We closed a, a lot of these big, big names, um, at the time. And, um, and those were, um, very challenging because our product was in a much earlier stage, honestly, but it was a perfect way to learn all the really important problems that we had to solve for those customers. And so, um, I, uh, we ended up building a customer success team. And so that's all of the operations and the customer support that comes, you know, after we close the deal, uh, it's a very, very technical team at Luca. So they're, you know, I, I say with a lot of confidence that I believe we have trained and, and brought in experts that know more about crypto data than most of our customers know about their own data. So that's a, a big strength of ours. And we offer those services on top of software or data subscriptions to assist our customers really with, with solving any of the big challenges related to their data. Um, and and our, our aim is to continue to offer that on top of our software and data products. And then I did, uh, I did some product roles um, and, and, uh, and then eventually early 2020. So right before the, the pandemic started was asked to be originally co-CEO with, with Nick, who's now our chairman. Um, and, uh, and then when we closed series C, um, Nick stayed on as executive chairman and, uh, and I remained as the, uh, the, the CEO, which, which I am still today. So, and then we've been, um, we raised about 75 million over the last, wow. the last year. Very cool. um, and so I've been scaling the company since, uh, since our series D closed in March. Very cool. So how has Luca evolved? in the time that you've been there up until what you guys are doing today? Yeah, so we since we started, we've completely rebuilt our infrastructure that supports our software and data products from when I started. And it's because, you know, when you're learning all of those problems that early on in an industry that's innovating as rapidly as, as we see in crypto, totally, um, which I think is really usually once in a lifetime experience. I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting what's going on in the industry, but where we sit, since it's focused on middle and back office operations, it's uh, it's always going to be challenging to keep up to what everybody's, you know, doing in their front offices. And so, um, so that's our big goal. So we've, we've learned a lot of those lessons pretty early on, thankfully. And we factored theirs into the, the latest versions of all of our software and data, which we're very proud of. And, uh, and we've built things to be as configurable and flexible as possible so that we can expect the unexpected going forward, you know, as new regulation or rules or any developments occur in the crypto industry. And so, um, so we're thankfully all of our products are, are more than ready for all the momentum that's going on in the industry. It's really, really nice, nice timing. So we're, we're very excited to have our current software. We've been future proofing it and trying to very proactively think about anything that can add risk to our customers' books so that we can mitigate it and, and give them a lot of confidence in using our services. So how, what advice do you give or how are you guys future proofing your software? Because like a week in crypto, 
is almost like months, arguably maybe even years in other industries. It is, you know, that, that it's, it's a really long answer to give you a couple, a couple. And so one, um, we don't just ask our customers to, to blindly trust us. We have third party auditors come in and attest to what we're doing from a risk perspective. Okay. So that's a big part of our SOC controls. So there's the way that SOC reports work is we have an auditor come in for at least a six month period to test our technology controls, okay. um, which are meant to mitigate all the risks associated with using our products. And, um, and they do that every single year. So it's a huge commitment. It's a very big lift. It takes a lot of resources, um, but it's well worth it because it's, it's just a very, very important thing for us to be able to do for our customers. And we're constantly adding um, new certifications and frameworks and ways that we can improve risk management at, at Luca. Um, and so, so that's one of the ways, um, but it also comes with the experience, the responsiveness, I think the culture, right. That the team, um, the team is phenomenal. I mean, their, their professionalism and the responses that we hear about them when interacting with customers and the constant feedback is, is, uh, is incredible. And so that's a big part of it as well, right? Is that, uh, how do we, how do we solve, solve these problems with our customers and truly be a partner, right? Not just a software solution. So. Sure. That, that makes sense. So I want to dive a little bit deeper into what exactly Luca does, and maybe let's start off with what you guys do for businesses and maybe give us some examples with, you don't have to give maybe customer names, but like sure. in this space, they use it like this, for example. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So, I mean, really, there's two big buckets of products that we have. There's software, which is all cloud-based SaaS software solutions. Right. So similar to, you know, um, how Salesforce sells their CRM solution. Okay. Um, and then we've got, and, and so with the purpose of that software, though, is to create effectively a crypto subledger. So we're collecting all of their data from all the different sources that they collect it for, which is inherently very messy and it's in a lot of different formats. And so we collect it, we normalize it. We actually integrate all of our data products into our software. And we were our own customers of our data products for, for years before we offered them uh, standalone. And so we'll normalize all of this data so that it's in a consistent format. And then we can categorize it into the right accounting or tax treatment we can apply values to it by bringing in pricing data. We have both our own pricing data and we bring in um, third-party pricing data. They're really at the customer's discretion, so whatever they want. And, uh, and then from there, we report out on it based on the type of business that they are. So if they're a big corporation, like a crypto exchange, um, maybe they're looking for corporate books, so journal entries to feed into their primary general ledger system. Um, it might be um, net asset value reports for funds or for fund admins that are servicing funds. Um, and then we also cater to a lot of auditors. And so they might need different reports. I'd say we probably do, uh, and we have, we're approaching over 400 institutional customers today. We, we have um, the majority of those need a custom report in one way or another. So that's right. almost, it's just a normal offering that we do. And when I say a custom report, it's more of a template we build for them okay. that enables them to feed it into downstream systems. So they'll need to feed it into NetSuite or into Avid Geneva or sometimes just QuickBooks. 
um, or whatever the downstream traditional system is, because that system, those systems can't accept um, a lot of the characteristics of crypto data. So we clean it up and, and massage it to look more like traditional data at the end of the process. Interesting. Okay, that, that makes sense. So then how do tax professionals leverage Luca? How is it similar and different too, maybe? Yeah, so what they're doing is they're calling us up for a tax report, but it all starts with the same data challenges that I just described, right? We need right. to correct it first, normalize it, and so on. We have whole teams that support reconciliation processes and a lot of tools that customers can use independently. But then at the end of the day, they want, and whether it's tax reporting, sometimes we'll run a separate set of accounting books from tax books. We have customers that need us to imply impairments logic to their inventory or to their um, uh, depending on the type of business that they have. And, uh, and so when they're coming uh, to us for tax, I'd say there's, there's a lot of education that comes along the way. Well, they'll have some questions to say, Hey, I've got staking going on in my business. What, what's the appropriate treatment, right? And, and we have in-house subject matter experts as well. And we, we partner with a ton of the, you know, big name firms around the world, um, to help support them with some of the logic. And then ultimately from a software solution, we're just applying that to, to give them the, the final reports that they need. Um, and so I'd say tax or accounting reports is the final step of what we're doing. Um, most of the value our customers are getting on everything before that, which is in cleaning up all the data, which usually people underestimate. I'd say they almost always underestimate it. Um, and, uh, and so the tax reporting part is, is really the easiest step out of all of it. Got you. Okay. And then how does somebody like myself who has some crypto use Luca? Sure. Yeah. So we do have a free retail product. It doesn't have all the okay. bells and whistles and the features that an institutional customer. So you're not going to get custom reports out of it, but right. you can go in for free and load your portfolio, connect all your APIs or load files. If the, if the exchange doesn't use APIs and, uh, and then we will, um, present that all in our web portal, kind of like, you know, loading it into a, a portfolio management tool. And then you can right now purchase for uh, either $10 or around $20. If you're a retail customer, uh, purchase the final tax reports that would feed into um, your annual tax reporting. So under your 1040. So what will, will create an 8949 uh, attachment and, uh, or a schedule one, if they have other income, like all the, the income scenarios, like mining, staking and, and whatnot. Um, and so that's our retail offering. And they're, they're benefiting from the same institutional quality. Probably most of the time, I'd say they don't even realize it. We're, we're more known for, for our enterprise and institutional uh, services. Right. Um, but we are offering it to the customers. We believe it's good for the industry and it, and it helps them. And, and you're going to see us trying to, to offer more things either cheaper or free going forward for the consumers okay, um, so that they can benefit from the same quality because it's a big problem in, in, in uh, not only the crypto industry, honestly, even traditional ones that consumers think they're getting a certain quality product, um, but very often they're not. And so our aim is to, to try to educate them and understanding where, where they can, you know, maybe get themselves into trouble if they're not doing things the wrong way, the right way. Sure. So I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. And can you talk about some of the things that people need to understand, maybe from a business and or individual uh, 
side when they're investing and, and doing stuff with crypto? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, usually whenever anyone's diving in, I, I give some advice that doesn't even really touch Luca's products, but things as simple as just be very security conscious. I mean, it's a it's a, an entire industry driven on top of technology. Um, and so, you know, it's it's worth spending the extra effort to set up a password manager and, and, and really protect your information. Right. Um, yeah. Like blockchain doesn't fix all of that. Right. It's only securing the transactions, maybe, but it can also um, cause some very uncomfortable situations if, if someone does get does get a hold of it because um, of just some poor practices in securing your passwords or your API keys or, or whatnot. So, um, so that's kind of the first advice that I'll give anyone really, regardless of whether you're, um, representing a business or are an individual. Sure. And I then, think that you should be doing that just if you're, if you're using the internet, you should be doing that. I think I, in my opinion, I agree. It spans well outside of crypto. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and then from there. Um, you know, there's people think that they're going to be getting a, a 1099 form or other, you know, related tax reforms like they usually get in the mail at the end of every year. And in crypto, very often you don't get that. There's some businesses that are doing it. Most of them are not. Most of them are still not. It's still not crystal clear whether or not they're required to do it. And so you just get a lot of different answers. And the more places that you're interacting with, the higher the likelihood is that you're going to encounter, encounter situations where you don't have a clean report um, to support you when filing your taxes at the end of the year. And so, um, so that's kind of the big takeaway is like ex expect for some things to not work as smoothly um, as, as you're used to, but there are lots of solutions out there. I mean, there's solutions other than the Luca that support tax filing as well. Um, I'll say, there's probably, we see a lot of frustration from consumers because there's like 50 or more of these companies that are out there. Right. And many of them um, do not have correct tax or accounting logic applied, or you have to really know how to use the tool to do it yourself. Right. Um, and so, you know, so certain little things, like if you have a Kraken account and a Coinbase account and a Gemini account, and you're moving your Bitcoin across them, some solutions will treat those transfers as acquisitions or disposals. And therefore, you know, uh, you know, you've got recognition events when you shouldn't um, or vice versa. Right. I've, we've really seen everything. And so um, so I'd say it's it's very important to to realize that you usually will need um, some sort of a software solution, whether it's Luca or another one to fix that for you. Um, if you're trading across multiple venues, if you're only trading on Coinbase and you're a pretty basic user, right, it's much simpler and you, you can you can possibly rely on just the, the transaction reports you get from a single exchange. Not all of them, but many of them do support them like Coinbase is doing that for theirs. Um, but as soon as the activity happens outside of them, obviously that exchange can't help you and you've got to have someone to kind of combine it from all those different exchanges. And so those are usually the users that have the most benefit from uh, from another solution outside their exchange. Sure. So what advice do you give to individuals and or businesses? Because from my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the government like agencies in many countries in the world are actually monitoring 
how much money people are making from crypto. Is that fair to say, or what are your thoughts around that? No, they're requesting information from some big businesses so that they can, they can enforce tax compliance or other functions, depending on what agency we're talking about, right? So okay. they're really just doing the same thing that they do for any other business, but they're applying it to crypto and they might need to get the info from different places than they would traditionally, but their intentions are the same here, right? It's, okay. you know, if you're the IRS, they're they're enforcing tax compliance as they should. And I recommend anyone trading crypto who's a US citizen or, or wherever, wherever they live and, and they, they pay their taxes to pay your taxes. Crypto is not exempt from it in, in most countries today, definitely not in the United States. Um, so thinking that you don't have to pay taxes in your crypto, that's, that's uh, definitely something I would recommend against. Um, and, uh, but once you do that, um, the other thing that I'll say is it's, it's really not as scary as most people think. I mean, okay. you know, the rules, the rules, I'm sure they'll evolve here. They'll improve and they're going to touch more different situations. But for most of the basic crypto, like if you're buying and holding Bitcoin or ether or, or really any crypto asset there, um, it's pretty straightforward to figure this out. You know, you've, you've, if you're you're either paying shorter long-term capital gains and you might have some income if you're participating in mining or staking. And uh, um, it's not as complex as people really think. Most of that has been figured out um, and, uh, and is very, very achievable. Um, but, they, but they should make the effort to, to do it and make sure that they are including it in their taxes for sure. Got you. No, I, I think that's, that's really good advice. Um, so I'm curious, where do you guys see Luca going because you signed some big partnerships, you'd acquired a company. Can you talk about kind of what you guys are doing and, and maybe like, obviously you don't have to like talk about something you haven't released yet, but how are you working with these, you know, new partnerships and acquiring a company to actually keep on top of the space and stay relevant? Because we've kind of mentioned it a few times throughout the show, this space is changing hourly daily you know like it's it's going fast it is it's lightning fast which is very exciting which can be challenging you know but it is exciting so it's a fun time for sure um generally speaking i mean we're looking to continue to offer more and more data products that help people with all the various problems that they have with crypto data um you know we've honed in on two very very important data products to start which okay. is our reference data product um, and what reference data does is it, uh, it normalizes all of the different asset ticker symbols, um, trading pairs and, and other data elements that come from all of those sources. So that's how our software is able to fix that is because we integrate reference data. And so it's a mapping of all of the assets that Coinbase lists, all the assets that Kraken, Gemini, and so on. And, uh, and it brings them down to a consistent ID so that at the end of the day, even if those different exchanges use different ticker symbols for Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin is Bitcoin in our software. And then when you're getting to things like tax reporting and whatnot, that becomes very easy because we've corrected it all. So okay. that's what reference data solves. And that's a, most of the retail customers probably don't even realize they're benefiting from it, honestly, which is okay. Institutions absolutely do that, particularly when they're higher volume. And, uh, and many of the institutions, if they have their own internal systems they use, um, will subscribe to that reference data product because it covers over 14,000 spot crypto assets today. Um, okay. 
And, uh, and when we get into derivatives and everything, we're into hundreds of thousands and, and, uh, and the trading pairs are um, tens of thousands as well across all of that. So that's the one very important, like really none of our other products would work without reference data. So that's our, our core. And then uh, our pricing data is the next problem. And, and we do, there's lots of different pricing data products that are out there that have different purposes. Um, our flagship one, which was a big problem that didn't exist in the industry is, is Luca Prime. And what Luca Prime does is it gives you a fair market value price um, for the top thousand or so most liquid crypto assets. And the, met the underlying methodology um, results in an executed price in contrast to an average like a VWAP. Um, and, and that aligns to US GAAP or IFRS guidelines, um, among others. It's also SEC's guidance on, on crypto valuations. It aligns to um, IRS FAQs and, and so on. Really the core takeaway on it is you get an executed price instead of an average, which is appropriate for post-trade reporting, striking NAV, any official bookkeeping. So it's very popular with auditors when performing audits. Um, but then we offer a number of other data products too. So we will offer VWAPs. We do custom prices. Our data is powering um, S&P, S&P's crypto indices. Um, and, uh, and so we do have a number of other pricing products that, that support it as well. But that's a flagship one that's more unique um, that was solving a very important problem. Got you. Okay, interesting. So for businesses and or individuals looking to get into the space, what advice do you give them? Because it can be so daunting, right? And I think a lot of people still don't really understand what it even really is as a thing. So what crypto is? Just well, uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I guess like what crypto is or, or how they could use it for their business. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, this kind of goes back to one of the reasons why I joined Luca and maybe even broader than that, why I joined the crypto industry, right? Because right. This, this applies to not just Luca, it's the whole industry. And it was, you know, crypto, you know, it, I get asked all the time, they're like, what asset class does crypto fit into? And it's like, well, it doesn't apply just to one asset classes. It can be applied to any of them. It's just, right, if, if we're, we're um, facilitating the transfer of, of assets using blockchain um those are tokenized assets or crypto assets and crypto assets have a lot of advantages over traditional assets that aren't on blockchains and it's because we can interact with them in new ways and so we can do it across borders we can do it in fractional quantities we can trade these assets for one another and when you do all of that it makes the assets more accessible and uh, to more people around the world. And so tokenizing assets that historically were not very accessible, like real estate, if we use, is, a, is an easy example because it's one of the least liquid assets traditionally. And if you can tokenize a, a piece of real estate and then sell it not in a whole quantity, but in fractional quantities, and you can sell it to someone that's all the way across the world, you know, that's groundbreaking. I mean, that that really yeah. changes the way that we think about it. I mean, I wouldn't be able to buy a piece of real estate in Tokyo from the United States that easily without this. 
And so, and we're not quite there yet with real estate specifically, but that's where I believe this is going. And so what we are seeing is people tokenize all kinds of assets. I mean, when we say we cover over 14,000 assets, those are not all just cryptocurrencies, right? I mean, there's, I wouldn't even be able to tell you all the different assets. I mean, there's obviously people hear about stable coins and those are backed by other assets, um, traditional assets, whether it's a fiat like US dollar or another one or by gold or whatnot. Um, but we see all the NFTs are representing a bunch of non-fungibles. We're seeing um, all different types of assets being tokenized. And there's, um, and then there's these big, you know, online marketplaces where people can exchange them. And so that's the exciting part here. And I think the big takeaway. And so I believe that all assets around the world could benefit from tokenization in one way or another. And we probably haven't even seen where all of this is going yet. Right. Like, I think we're we're just on the cusp of of what's really going to change global commerce. Yeah, I agree. I, I also think it, it's fascinating to me how some banks have kind of pushed back on it a bit and then some have adopted it. I know MasterCard just released something lately saying yeah. they're going to like give you some sort of rewards with it. I know there's reward programs out there like Rakuten that actually give you some sort of cryptocurrency. Sure. And like so we're we're like at the cusp of it and I think the average person is going to start potentially getting exposed to it if they haven't already probably within the next 6 12 12 months mm -hmm. but what are like why do you think there's been such a pushback and I can give you a personal example for me mm -hmm. trying to buy cryptocurrency with my bank account they'll block it all the time I can't never buy it just straight from my bank account I can also not buy it from my visa card but I can buy it from my mastercard and like I've known a number of friends and that have had issues that have had to almost like lie to their bank to just like buy crypto. And it's interesting to me that like I get why they're doing it, but it's kind of like, well, at the end of the day, it's my money. Like you can't really tell me what to do. So I, I'm curious to know in your thoughts, especially dealing with some of this thing, how the adoption has been from the traditional kind of industry. Are they still pushing back some kind of? Where's their support, I guess? I mean, I think it's important to keep in mind that when you say banks, right, like banks offer a huge menu of services. True, and it's, yeah. not, it's not only like retail um, deposit solutions like what you're describing. And I'd say I'm seeing very few banks not launch businesses around crypto right now. Okay. Most of it is starting with fund services okay. and some institutional business units. Of course, the retail ones are, are going to take a little bit longer here. Um, but we know that there's a lot of traditional banks that have focused on crypto earlier, like Silicon Valley Bank, like Silvergate, oh, yeah. and so on. Um, but, you know, the mega banks aren't quite there yet, although we are seeing some announcements like Bank of America and some others now start to announce some things. And I'll be curious to see where it all goes. But, I mean, I think all this is going to intersect. And, and, you know, I've sat on lots of panels and heard lots of other thought leaders give their perspectives on the future of banking. Um, you know, the, the role that banks play, I think it's safe that like th those, those roles are still going to be important going forward. Like people are going to need loans. Um, they're going to need banking solutions. They're going to need to transfer their money around and, and all the different traditional roles that banks play. Who's performing those roles is what's I'm curious to watch. You know, is Coinbase going to be 
construed more as a bank in the future or, you know, Kraken already has their banking and depository license, um, you know, and we're seeing a lot of these crypto exchanges now start to round out their offerings to, to go into um, what traditional banks are doing. And we're seeing the traditional banks start to launch certain things on a case by case here. They're doing it very cautiously, but at the end of the day, the one thing that's going to trump anyone's opinion of crypto is client demand or right. demand. And if you're a fund administrator and one of your biggest customers is saying, I just bought a bunch of Bitcoin. Can you still give me services like that? They're going to give a very different answer than a year ago when they were debating whether or not to get into crypto or not. And so that's what we're seeing this year is that old fashioned demand is driving a lot of the acceleration of these different businesses. And we're seeing some very conservative institutions out there do some pretty, um, I'd say unique things, launching businesses and adopting crypto, which is very fun to see, but the learning curve is just huge, you know? Um, and, uh, and so I don't know where it's gonna end up. I mean, someone will have to fill all those roles, right? Um, and I mean, we've seen Robinhood, right? Is done oh, something more innovative with, with uh, you know, as a broker dealer. Um, and, and they've had their own challenges, right? Which I think yeah. is gonna come honestly with any innovation. Um, and we're gonna see more and more people do it, but they did some things that no one else had done before, which was very exciting, which is, you know, offering securities and whatnot in fractional quantities you know, which is kind of a little taste of what the whole crypto industry is doing. Um, and so I think a lot of those ideas are what are, are what people are going to be attracted to. And then all the businesses will follow suit. So. No, I, I agree with that. I, I think it, that makes some sense. It's just, it's interesting to get like somebody like your opinion that's like in it. Right. And talking to these institutions, because Obviously, we all know like what you read online is not always 100% true or it's sure. some sort of skewed version of it, right? And it's interesting to get your opinion on this stuff. And it's good to see that these traditional kind of banks and um, institutions are actually at least talking about it, right? If they haven't implemented it yet. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I'd say obviously I can't share any confidential things yeah. that are going on that we're involved in, but there's a lot of momentum. I mean, there's... Awesome. There's there's very few large banks or big financial institutions that everybody's familiar with, I think, that that aren't working on it in some way. And everyone's okay. got their own priorities and and objectives and strategies um, that are driving it. But there's a lot of movement. Like, I don't see much resistance anymore. Um, it's more maybe thoughtfulness, right? Trying to do okay. it the right way or waiting for more formal rules, depending on the type of business that they are on a case by case. But um, I mean, it's it's here, and if a business isn't thinking about it, you know, they're at risk of um, of of not being able to take advantage of some tremendous opportunities going forward. You know, so I mean, I think people, if they're not looking at it, they need to be, and I think people really need to try to stay away from some of the rumors that we hear that are pretty thoughtless, honestly. Um, Kind of like the you know when when people talk about um how blockchain is contradictory to green objectives and whatnot i think is a pretty silly statement and you know some of those things are just distractions anybody that actually is in the industry that understands it knows that blockchain will make efficiencies and probably support green initiatives a thousand times before it'll hurt them so um 
So I'd say, uh, you know, focus on the advantages and, and it's it's worth making the effort to learn about it for sure. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So you guys have a whole library of education on your website, and I think that's a really good resource. Yeah. But yeah. Is, But can you talk about some of the content and things that people can learn on there? And then if there's any other resources that that you would recommend people maybe check out as well to learn about the space and maybe how they can get involved. Yeah, a lot of our guidance and we're building that out rapidly. So, um, and I'm glad you, you brought it up. Um, it's great that you've checked it out. We've actually just recently changed that to be all free content on our site. So we actually awesome. had it in a product where we were charging for subscriptions of it and, and we decided to just offer that free. Um, and our goal is to build that out in more topics okay. over, over time here quickly. Right now, we talk about a lot of the different tax and accounting um, related uses, um, other uh, maybe you know perspectives or responses to some of the, the regulatory updates um, or the different rules that are coming out. And so um, it's usually a uh, CPAs or tax professionals or controllers, CFOs are gonna be most attracted to the content. We do have some basic content on there too. Um, and we're looking to build out some of the basics, but honestly, the I think the the best way to learn is through hands-on experience and doing it in a safe way, you know. And and so set up your password manager, sign up for a more mainstream crypto exchange account somewhere, and um, you know, and buy a small amount that you're okay losing to learn, sure. and. Uh, and, and transfer it around, you know, sign up for a wallet, interact with a decentralized exchange. I mean, they're actually a lot easier to use than traditional in most cases. Um, and sometimes you just need to kind of go through the motions and learn about it, you know, but I would do it in small in increments and then, and then, uh, and then work your way up until you're comfortable. And once you're like, okay, this is easier than I thought, it's really easier than signing up for my, my bank account. Um, yeah people people will realize that it's not as scary as they might think no i agree and i think you could start with you know like a hundred bucks like it doesn't have to be thousands of dollars you could even start with less than a hundred dollars right like yeah yeah exactly i mean whatever someone's appetite is for right i mean that's one of the great things about crypto is you can buy you could buy five dollars worth yeah like um on somewhere right you don't have to buy a whole bitcoin um and so um so it's actually really really easy to play with it without actually you know risking um it, you know any of your savings or anything so yeah and it, it's very cool once you're able to like send money or well like your crypto like a, to somebody else instantly where if you were doing that in different parts of the world it can take days right and it costs a ton of money where it's basically just instant, which is pretty wild to think about and, and just how it's kind of different, right? And changing things. Absolutely. Um, I mean, this year, the the way that the decentralized exchanges have taken off is definitely a huge development. And we have to do a lot of things in unique ways. And uh, I think that's, again, in a, a part of the ecosystem that's just getting started. I mean, the stuff that's going on with different products and, and offerings is just really exciting. And so keeping up with it is just constant, you know, constantly staying aware and being in it and, and being flexible. So. No, very, very cool. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close 
with mentioning where people can get more information about Luca and any other links you want to mention? Sure. Yeah. So our our uh, our website is Luca L U K K A dot tech, um, and you can read about any of our products, whether they're institutional or the or the consumer ones from there, along with the the educational um, contents that you saw. Um, or or even job posts. If you're looking to get into the, the crypto industry, we're doing a ton of hiring. Um, and uh, and yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, and happy to happy to come back any anytime. Very cool. Well, Robert, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. You too. Thanks for thank having you. me. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.